Good evening and welcome to our Bible study. And we're going to read from Isaiah chapter 7, starting to read at verse 1. Now, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to that passage. And you might think, well, this is a strange passage to be reading uh, at Christmas time. But when we get partway through the passage, you will see why I've chosen it for this evening. So it's Isaiah chapter 7, starting to read at verse 1. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, king Rezin of Aram, and Pekah, son of Ramlah, king of Israel, marched up to, the, to fight against Jerusalem, but they couldn't overpower it. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied himself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, Shear Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool, on the road to the washerman's field. Say to them, Be careful. Keep calm. Don't be afraid. Do not lose heart. Because of these two smouldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram, and for the son of Ramlah, Aram, Ephraim, and Ramlah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves, and make the son of Tabiel king over it. Yet this is what the Sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within sixty-five years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The land of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Ramallah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I do not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, a sign. The virgin will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey. When he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, but before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and on your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the kings of Assyria in the way the Lord will whistle for the flies from the distant streams of Egypt and for bees from the land of Assyria. They will all come and settle in the steep ravines and the crevices in the rocks on all the thorn bushes and at all the water holes. In that day the Lord will use a razor hired from beyond the river, the king of Assyria, to shave your head and the hair of your legs and to take off your beards also. In that day, a man will keep alive a young cow and two goats, 
and because of the abundance of the milk they give, they will have curds to eat. All who remain in the land will eat curds and honey. In that day, in every place where there was a thousand vines worth of where thousands of silver shekels, there will be only briars and thorns. Men will go there with bow and arrow, for the land will be covered with briars and thorns. As for all the hills once cultivated by the hoe, you will no longer go there for fear of the briars and the thorns. They will become places where the cattle are turned loose and where sheep run. Now that's quite a long passage from Isaiah. And uh, before we have a look at it together, let's just pray. Father, we thank you again for this, your word. And we just pray that during this Christmas time, we will see more of the message that you bring to us and more of, of the, the depth of that message and the importance of that message. Our Father, just lead us now as we gather around your word, as we gather in the name of Jesus. Amen. Right, all that passage from uh, Isaiah, um, I've titled it, Are the Old Testament Signs of Christmas Just for Us in Our Day? You know, it's good that at this time of year, we look at the familiar Old Testament verses and they help us to appreciate the meaning of Christmas, such as the one we just read in verse 14 of chapter 7. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will be called Emmanuel. We know that the outcome of these words from Isaiah is the birth of Jesus, and we praise God for that. But they are just... But, uh, a question, were they just for us in our day? At this time of year, this verse is a great introduction and a reading from Matthew chapter 1, verse 22. We often quote that verse from Isaiah, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Then we read from Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And very often at Christmas, we will then follow that with a carol, maybe a little town of Bethlehem. And this is a great introduction to the Christmas story. But this evening, I want us to look at the backstory, the backstory to this verse. And by doing so, I hope we will see how important it has been in the past as we enjoy the importance that it is for us today and how its importance will continue, continue until the Lord returns. So let's go on a journey. Come, come with me back to the time when God first spoke these words, to a time about 2,600 years, back to the days of Isaiah. So first of all, we set the scene. Ahaz, the king of Judah. And you know, things are looking bad for him. In verse 6, when Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king in Judah, king Rezin of Aram, and Pekah, son of Remelah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. They seemed to be defenseless. And it reads on. Now the house of David was told, 
Aaron has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz, his people, were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, so here's a message given to Isaiah for him to take to this king Ahaz. Go out and you and your son Shear Jashub. Now remember that name because it's important. It's important that Isaiah was asked by God to take his son with him. So take your son Jabush to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the laundress field. Now we're going to find out what he was doing there. Well, let's read on. Say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. Because of the fierce anger of Brezin and Aram, and of the sons of Ramelah. Aram, Ephraim, and Ramelah's sons have plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invite Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabal king over it. Now, you can read all about that if you go to 2 Kings chapter 15 and 16. But for the moment, let's just look at the passage we've got in front of us. King Ahaz is quite rightly worried, as is the whole house of David, the people of Judah. Why? Because Israel, also sometimes referred to as Ephraim, because Ephraim being the main tribe of Israel, because Israel has joined forces with Aram of Syria, and their intention is to invade Judah. We find that Ahaz is at the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. Now, we don't know for sure why he was there, but it's more than likely that he was there fortifying the city's water supply in preparation for an invasion. But at this point, while he's making his preparations, God intervenes and he instructs Isaiah to go and meet Ahaz. Why? To give him a word of reassurance and to tell him to calm down. Or as you might say around here, calm down, calm down. And he says, and don't be afraid. Why? God is in control. You know, this passage is giving us a good reminder of us in our day. We need that encouragement. When we see that all that's going on around us, particularly with the COVID situation, you know, the bottom line is God is still in control. Well, there's some reassurance for us this morning. But let's go back to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 7 to 9. Yet this is what the Sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is only Ramli's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. God is speaking here. And when God, the sovereign Lord, speaks, we, like Ahaz, should be prepared to listen. And what we hear 
We should be prepared to believe even when we don't understand it. And when we believe and we trust, we must put what we have heard into action. This is faith. So, question. Are we listening to what the Lord is saying as we continue to, as he continues to speak to us and as he speaks to the world, as he speaks this particular season of the year through that child in the manger? God is still speaking and he will speak through the words of the Christmas story, no matter how it goes out, whether it's virtual in the media, or whether it's physical in a church. The word of God will go out this Christmas. Well, let's go back and listen to what the Lord had to say to Ahaz. Ahaz was not the best of people, but the Lord will show him mercy. The invasion by these two kings would not happen. First point, the Lord tells him that in the immediate future, these two kings themselves would be defeated. Now we know that this prophecy did come true. We know it because of what the Bible tells us and we know it because of what history tells us. But secondly, there is a personal message from the Lord to Ahaz. And the message is, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. In other words, if you're not firm in your faith, you will not be firm in your response to the words that God is speaking. You know, we can learn a lot from Ahaz when we see his reaction to what was being said. You see, when Isaiah delivered this message to Ahaz, he was told to take his own son with him. That's Isaiah's son. See, Isaiah's son's name is Sheer Jashub, which means, and I mentioned this last week, a remnant will return. That is part of the reassurance. That is part of what God is saying here. You're going through troubled times, and you will live through troubled times, and troubles will get worse, but a remnant will return. Why? Because God is in control. So this is confirmation of God's promise that the Messiah would come from the line of David and that a remnant will survive to bring about this promise. This has already been confirmed by God. Isaiah has already mentioned this in chapter 6. This is what he said in chapter 6, verse 13. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and the oak leaf leave stumps, when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. In other words, when the land is destroyed, when it's devastated, there will be those who will be left behind. And it will be like the tree being chopped down, but the stump will remain. And eventually that stump will grow because life is still there. The life is the life that God gives. But before we continue, let us learn a little bit about Ahaz. And this little bit we learn will help us to understand Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through to 12. But we need to go back to 2 Kings and just snatch a verse from there to help us. 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 2. This is what it says. Ahaz 
was twenty years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem for sixteen years. Now this is the important bit. Unlike David his father, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God. So Ahaz was one of the bad kings of Judah. So Ahaz is not a king who is being faithful to God. But notice that God will be gracious towards him. Not a little lesson for us here. None of us are perfect. We're all sinners. What we see here is the grace of God in action so that his grace could be offered to you and me in our day. God is speaking to us today as the world remembers Christmas. So those verses of 10 and 12 in Isaiah chapter 7. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. So God is saying, you want confirmation? Come and ask me. And whether it's from the highest or the lowest, I will tell you. You see, God knew in his heart Ahaz would not heed his words as spoken by Isaiah. So he graciously spoke to him again directly. And what he was saying to Ahaz was, Come closer to me and I will give you my word. But Ahaz refused. And when he refused, he's using a statement which is disguised in piety. In other words, he's saying, I will do things my way because I don't want to trouble you. So what he's saying is, I'll hear you, but I won't listen to you. How many people will do that today when they hear the Christmas story? I will hear you. I know what you're saying. I know who this baby in the manger is. I know what he did how he grew up, how he died on the cross. But you know, I hear you, but I won't listen to you. And it might be that we follow that up with, because, well, I don't really want to bother you, God. You've got enough to do. You know, this is what Ahaz is saying. He's using that last little phrase to say that he himself is pious, but he's not. Isaiah 7 verse 13. And Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Isaiah is saying to Ahaz, the king of Judah, Will you not listen to me? I know that you won't, but far worse than that, you will not listen to God. And then he's saying, Look, you, Ahaz, you are king, you are the representative of Judah, and these things go beyond you. It goes beyond you as a person. You are included, but if you choose to be excluded, these things concerning the house of, the house of David, concerning the people of Judah, they are about the promised Messiah. When God speaks, 
you Ahaz say that you don't want a sign. But you know, I'm going to give you a sign. A sign that will stretch far beyond your day. And whether you believe it or not, it will happen. Just as the things that Isaiah has spoken of that will happen to the nation of Judah will happen. And then, as the truth of those things will be seen, so will the things that I've just mentioned happen. And here's the sign that God is going to give to Ahaz, a sign that has been important ever since it was first given and is so important to us today. And this is the verse that led me to this passage. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will be called Emmanuel. So this is our verse for this morning as we see the far-reaching relevance of what God is saying here. Isaiah 7, 15-17 He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, for before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. You see, this is about the promised Messiah. The reference to curds and honey, this this is the food eaten by travellers, by nomads. It was poor man's food, poor people's food. It's telling us that this boy will be humble and lowly. This boy will know right from wrong. As I read this, it reminded me of the passage in Luke chapter 2, verse 46 to 47, when Jesus was 12 years old and his parents uh, thought they'd lost him, but he was back in the temple speaking to all the elders and the, the, and the educated people of his day. And this is what we read in Luke 2. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. It's a little bit more about this boy that Isaiah is speaking about here. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. You you will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating carrots and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. Before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. Let's go back to uh, Ahaz and the days of Ahaz. The two kings that you are afraid of will themselves be destroyed. But the king of Assyria will bring unimaginable unimaginable devastation to the land of Judah. Listen to this. The land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and on your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 18 to 25. In that day the Lord will whistle for the flies from the Nile Delta in Egypt, for the bees from the land of Assyria. They will all come and settle in the steep ravines and the crevices in the rocks, on all the thorn bushes and at all the water holes. This is poetic. This is speaking about what will happen, what will come from 
Egypt and Assyria. Let's read on verse 20 in that passage. In that day the Lord will use a razor himself beyond the river Euphrates, the king of Assyria, to shave the heads and private parts and cut off your beards also. You know, this is this actually happened physically, but it's also speaking here metaphorically. To shave the head of a king is to remove his authority. For a Nazarite to shave his head, it is to show that he has defiled his vows. To shave the whole body is like those with leprosy, to show their uncleanness, or a priest who has touched a dead body. And this is speaking of the state of the nation of Judah. 21. In that day a person will keep alive a young cow and two goats, and because of the abundance of the milk they give, they will be curds to eat. All who remain in the land will eat curds and honey. Again, this curds and honey is the poor man's food. They'll have a cow and two goats, and whatever milk they get, they will have to eat curds and try and gather honey. So, for those who will remain in the land after the devastation, this will be the remnant, but they will live in poverty. Verse 22, in that day, in every place, there were a thousand vines worth a thousand silver shekels. There will be only briars and thorns. In other words, the land would be destroyed. Not only would the razor be taken to the people of Judah when they were taken into captivity but the ground was raised raised to the ground result being 24 hunters will go there with bow and arrow for the land will be covered with prize and thorns they're not going to sow seed they're going to forage for food verse 25 as for all the hills once cultivated by the hoe you will no longer go there for fear of the briars and the thorns, they will become places where cattle are turned loose and where the sheep run. This is deprivation. But here's the promise. A remnant will be preserved. And the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. This passage was given to a man 600 years before that first Christmas. A man who refused to have faith in God's word. This year, over 2,000 years on, the fulfillment of this message has been given to us today. The Virgin did conceive and give birth to a son who is Emmanuel, who is God with us. So by God's grace, we are given an opportunity to believe in the message of Christmas, to accept his gift of salvation, and to have faith and trust in things not only that have happened, but things that are still to happen. Well, there's the challenge for us. Don't be like Ahaz, who didn't trust in God's word. As we've seen, his lack of trust did not prevent the fulfillment of God's promise. 
7.14 Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And you will call him Emmanuel. We know the truth of what God has done in the past. We see and believe in the truth of what God is doing in the present. And we need to trust in what God has said about what he will do in the future. You know, in this passage and in those words that we know so familiar from Isaiah, there's such encouragement for us. I want to, just as we finish, uh, to share with you the words of a song. It's not a carol, but I think it's a song that we know well, and I think it sums up what we have looked at this evening. I do not know what lies ahead, the way I cannot see. Yet, one stands near to be my guide, he'll show the way to me. I do not know how many days of life are mine to spend, but one who knows and cares for me will keep me to the end. I do not know the course ahead, what joys and griefs are there, but one is near who fully knows and trusts his love. I'll trust his love and care, because I know who holds the future, and he'll guide me with his hand. And with God things don't just happen, everything by him was planned. So as I face tomorrow, with its problems large and small, I trust the God of miracles, give to him my all. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for that passage that we are so familiar with. The promise that Isaiah spoke to that king is the promise that we have today. The virgin did give birth to a child, and he is God with us. We thank you for the long livability, if that is the right word, of this promise. And it still exists today and it still goes on. Father, just open up this Christmas to us as we see the gift that you have given. And we ask these things in his name, in the name of Jesus. Amen.